1: like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Today I'm glad to welcome back Emil Myberg and the two of us attorneys are going to once again be talking about consumer issues and the Consumer Protection Act. Welcome back Emil. Thank you very much, Gary. Good to be back. Yeah. The questions we're going to answer have been posted by some of the 110,000 members of Legal Talk South Africa. And if you, our listener, haven't yet checked out the webpage of Legal Talk South Africa, which has a link to a Facebook page, then do yourself a favor and have a good look at it. And you'll see that there's, there's obviously a need for regular South Africans to get some more legal knowledge and some of the questions that are posted on Legal Talk South Africa need a more detailed answer, which I believe, and our listeners believe, that we are able to give on a show like this. So we've linked up with Legal Talk SA, I'm sure you know that, and uh, the link up between ourselves and Cliff Central is proving to be extremely beneficial because right now Cliff Central is the biggest podcaster in Africa with millions of podcasts, being d- downloaded from the Cliff Central site. So for all the for all our listeners and for South Africa generally, and then for the Legal Talk people, you can download the podcast. It takes one, literally a minute or even less. And in your own time, in the car, wherever and wherever and whenever, you can listen to something that you really want to listen to, and that's going to help you a whole deal. And that's the beauty of Cliff Central and its podcast. Base. Um, yeah, our first talk with Legal Talk a few weeks ago featured Emil and myself on consumer issues, and the show was so interesting that we weren't able to cover all the questions that have been posted, and we've been asked once again to please come back, the two of us, and answer all the consumer or some of your consumer-related issues. So this is it today. Our email address if you want to send in stuff to us is uh, law. And we're very pleased to hear from you. Lord dot com, And then please have a look at our Facebook page and give us a like. If you do, it's the laws of life with Gary Hertzberg. And then our Twitter handle is at Hertz law, Hertzlaw, H E R T Z L A W. Emil, it's great to have you back. Uh, these are the questions that are coming up constantly. And, uh, I know this is this is your baby. You love this Consumer I, Protection I Act. I
0: do. I do. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing about the Consumer Protection Act is it it affects an, an or it affects ordinary people. You know, I spent some time at one of these magic circle big law firms, here, and it was all esoteric stuff: banking law, um, f- finance law, construction law. It's, but it's not things that affect us day to day. I look at some of these questions and I think, you know, I know people, my family and friends who have asked questions like this. And yeah. I think that's why consumer protection law is so important.
1: Of the 110,000 people on, on legal talk essay, I think most of them have posted a question. Otherwise they wouldn't have got there. That's right. So it's amazing how many people are just want the most simple advice. The problem is that we as attorneys are kind of unaffordable to the general public on smaller issues, aren't we? Unfortunately. We are. I yeah. often
0: make the joke that I wouldn't even be able to afford myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, the problem, I think, often with law firms, and it's a, it's a valid uh, criticism, is I mean, if if you went to a, a, a shop and said, I want a Coca-Cola, and they say, yeah, it's a thousand rand. You say, I just want a Coca-Cola. Yeah, but I can't sell it to you for less than a thousand rand, otherwise my shop doesn't make a uh, profit. That's often how law firms work. Um, these the, the advice we give you, even though it takes a lot of time in order to, to know this law, is not advice that we could really dispense of at our normal hourly rates. Mm. And I think that is where Legal Talk South Africa renders a valuable service because the lawyers that answer questions, they do it for free.
1: The other thing is that if you buy a kettle for 239 rand or 339 or 400, whatever it may be, and the kettle breaks down – It's a small amount, but it's a lot to you, and it's aggravating and irritating. Where do you get that advice, how to deal with it? Well, you can't go to a lawyer because it's 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 out of proportion, his fee. So you have to look somewhere. To go and Google it on the internet, you're going to get all kinds of funny answers. So you're looking for a place where you can post it and get it immediately from some people that know. And then we here today to elaborate and expand on all those. Um, the other thing, Emil, if I may point out, I remember reading, I think it was a stat that was given by one of the auditing, an, audit, an auditor or accountant that does legal work for attorneys, and I mean auditing work for attorneys, and he said that 70%, and I believe this is fairly accurate, of what lawyers earn is paid away in expenses. That is so correct. So if you earn a 1,000 rand, really, you're only making 300 as an attorney, and then you are to pay away a tax and all the rest. So That is correct. Um, I'm not crying for some of the, the attorneys. I mean, a lot of them are doing extremely well. But I think the average guy, the cost of his secretary and his rent and uh, all the expenses that go with it, I don't have to tell you, is sky high. Uh, exactly. I'm a sole practitioner, and if you look at the cost...
0: That goes into providing advice. There is a cost. Many uh, people think that it's not like the kind of cool drink which you buy for five rand and then sell for ten rand. Uh, you just the advice that you give didn't cost you anything to, to produce, but it actually did. The books that I had to buy to give the advice, the law reports and statutes that I have to subscribe to annually at huge fees, uh, that costs money. And if you divide that. To, uh by the number of hours that one works, you can actually come up with a, an input cost for the advice that one gives. So it's not for free. It actually costs a lot of money to provide legal advice.
1: Yeah, I mean, all that we lawyers and doctors and professional people is are selling is our time. That's we have right. nothing else, really. And often you get people, can I just ask you something? They phone you. It's a quick one, and they keep you 15 minutes on a quick mm-hmm. one. And that's all you're selling. It's like walking in and asking for a free Coke from a right. from a supermarket. Anyway, enough of all that. Let's talk so many interesting questions here. Consumer law. Here comes Chantal. She posts on Legal Talk essay. And it's uh, founded by Ray Green, who's extremely knowledgeable, I've got to tell you, on legal matters, although he's an engineer by profession. Yes, you know I, Ray well, don't you? I do, yes. Very fond of him. He's, uh, she says, Chantal, I'm selling a fat burner weight loss uh, as a product as, part, as a part-time job. A client has been using the product for three weeks now. According to him, he's not experiencing any symptoms or side effects and he hasn't lost any weight. He insists on his money back according to the Consumer Protection Act. Um, on none of our marketing do we guarantee results or money back. Please advise. Now this one gives rise to tons and tons of, of first of all replies that people posted, and secondly, a lot of people are selling weight loss stuff, and it's it's a serious issue, isn't it? Well, What's your initial? What how does it at first blush? Mm-hmm. How do you see it? My first reply to Chantal would
0: actually be about the fact that she does this as a part-time job This isn't her main profession And I think she may be running a big risk selling something that people ingest It goes into their bodies as her part-time job This creates the impression to me that she's not a specialist in the area of weight loss She she may be, but... Um, I think once you're dealing with things that people put in their mouths, you should be a specialist in it, and you should. uh, Well,
1: in fairness, I don't. I mean, I'm very fond of your advice. I like what you always say, but in this particular case, when I walk into a store and there's weight loss stuff in the store, the person selling it to me has got no experience in 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 what it is. When I ask him, "Hey, can I lose weight?" or "Her," they say, "Yeah, you know, you're going to lose tons of weight."
0: Well, anyway, that, yeah, That brings me to the next point yeah. um, On none of our marketing Do we guarantee results or money back Those days of not guaranteeing results Or not giving money back are practically over uh, If you look at what uh, Two relevant sections of the CPA say, in sections 29 and 41 mm-hmm. The gist of these two articles is that You cannot sell or create The impression that the products That you sell have certain characteristics Or that they can achieve certain results Uh if you do that and that you these results are not achieved you are most likely will be obliged to have to pay back that money
1: let's let's read the section if i may section 29 says a producer importer distributor retailer or service provider must not market any goods or services then a in a manner that is reasonably likely to imply a false or misleading representation concerning those goods or services?
0: Well, we all know what kind of products these are. They're normally big, round plastic bottles with uh, pictures of people with highly desirable bodies on them, Mm. bodies that all of us want but none of us have. Um, That, I certainly think, could be argued to create the impression that if you take this product, you will very likely have a body like this. Yes. That's why people buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I think my um, opinion, uninformed opinion of weight loss is actually you gain weight by taking in calories. Um, And the only way to lose it is to burn those calories. I'm not sure what claims do these
1: products have
0: uh, that, that they can rely on to say that you will lose weight.
1: Let's take some of what the replies were, and then we can we can work on that. Jessica Smith is one of the people that replied on legal talk she says section fifty six of the CPA states that a product has to be replaced within six months of purchase if the product is not reasonably purposeful, good quality, durable or free of defects. And then she goes on to quote another section which may not apply. She says section 20 in brackets three prohibits the return and ref- refund of medication unless the patient has suspected adverse reaction and so on. The first question to you is, is this a medication? I don't think it's a medication.
0: No, no. It's not used to treat a symptom.
1: Okay. Now, let's just let's look at what Chantal did. She sold a product and the person's only had it for three weeks, not six months yet. So, look, yeah. Section 56,
0: I don't think would apply here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe one can make out an argument like with anything in law. Uh, but Section 56 applies more to, to cars. That's where I've seen it most often applied. Uh, and we can talk about that a little
1: yeah, give later. It, well, give us an example of where – let's take that one now while we're on it. Well, uh you
0: buy a car. Yeah. Um Within a month, uh, it breaks down there's some serious troubles. You know, often the cars with defects have to go back to the um, uh, to the dealer or the seller frequently under circumstances like that, you can actually tell the uh, supplier listen i 'm giving this car back. you have to take it, and you have to give me my money back, or you have to give me another car and that 's at the direction of the consumer. The supplier doesn 't have a choice; he has to respect the choice that the consumer exercises. So for that reason, I don't think that Section 56 will be uh, applicable here. But there, there are two sections. There's 29 that we've just talked about. 41 is even broader mm. uh, in the prohibition of misleading claims. So I certainly think that uh, our, that, that Chantel may have to refund uh, the money.
1: At what point? He's only had it for three weeks can he come after three weeks and say, I haven't lost any weight? I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, I suppose it depends what what's the packaging is all about. They may say in your first three weeks, you're going to lose five kilos. Well, three weeks is a short period of time, but it's also 21 days. You know, if you've been
0: using this product after three weeks, I would certainly want to see at least a you know, a couple of grams, 500 grams or so weight loss.
1: What kind of evidence, let's assume this case goes to some court or other, it could go to small claims court, it could go to the high, it could go anywhere. What evidence would the consumer have to bring to support his claim here? What would he need to show?
0: At the very least, uh, you would have to show the claims that the supplier made. Take this and you will lose weight. So I weighed 90 kilograms on the day that I bought it. Uh, and I still weigh 90
1: kilograms three weeks or a month or wh- uh, how many months later. How would, he, I mean, the, the opposition, the lady who's selling the fat burner, her lawyer is going to say, what did you eat in those three weeks? He may have he taken the weight loss product with, uh, with fast food every day. So how does one, what is he going to, I suppose his evidence stands on its own. Yes, he says, uh, I ate uh, fish and salad. For three weeks. Well, the the things that the impression that these weight loss
0: products create is that you take that and you will lose weight. It doesn't. The impression it creates is not that you have to do anything else. It's this is the magic
1: bullet. Uh-huh. You take this and you lose weight. Um, so you carry on eating as you were. If you're a fast food eater, you say, "Well, I carried on eating normally, which is a hamburger a day, and chips, and a pizza, and coke." And I, notwithstanding the weight loss product, I haven't lost weight. Precisely, because
0: otherwise, this is often, this creates the impression that this is the alternative to going to the gym for two hours every day and working out and sweating. Yeah. Um, the, section 41, uh, 1C, has an interesting provision. In relation to the marketing of any goods or services, the supplier must not buy words or conduct. Failed to correct an apparent misapprehension on the part of a consumer amounting to a false, misleading or deceptive representation That p- puts an obligation in my view on a supplier Including of these fat loss products To advise a consumer that taking these products Will not necessarily lead to weight loss, but mm. the moment that they say that, the person may think twice
1: about buying this product. But isn't that implied? Is there such a thing as implied here? Isn't it implied that there's no, or do they guarantee? They do guarantee. They say you're going to lose weight. That's how they market it. I think that is an, a misapprehension
0: on the part of the consumer. Mm. This product, in its packaging, the pictures creates a misapprehension in the minds of the consumer that if you buy this, you are going to have this body on the front.
1: Let's take uh, Marius Jansen writes in. He says this is actually opening up a very interesting discussion. There is no, and I underline as he did, clinical proof that any fat-burning weight-loss tablet works. Yes, taken in conjunction with a strict kilojoule-restricted diet training regime, you will achieve result. I mean, that's kind of the right answer, isn't it? It it is. The the question
0: arises then is why would you want to buy this product at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Just go on a diet and and start running around the block. uh,
0: Start controlling your calories and and do exercise. That on its own without uh, this weight loss product will likely
1: lead to weight loss as well. I mean, we get uh, Lorraine says, uh, she said products like these should in fact be banned since they are basically scams. I'm not going to comment on that and we don't want to get sued. Uh, We can only look at the law. Uh, Are they scams in in, in law?
0: If they make any misleading claims uh, which are not backed up by science, whether it's a scam, I don't know. But certainly they're treading a fine line between misrepresenting the uh, properties of their product
1: and telling the truth. So let's get back to Chantal. We're going to close this off. The man wants his money back, according to the Consumer Protection Act. On none of our marketing do we guarantee results or money back. Please help me. I would give the money back
0: uh, because we're talking about, what, maybe a couple of hundred rands?
1: Yes, but then he's going to tell all his friends, hey, I got my money back. And uh... The alternative is very expensive litigation. Mm.
0: Because no. he has the option to go to the small claims court. We spoke about it last time that we must become a bit more militant about enforcing our consumer protection rights.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, he might also go to the consumer commission, and they can stop this kind of marketing activity. It will be a big fight, but it, it could be bruising.
1: I think that these people – that sell this product, uh, they take their they take their chances. Uh, the majority of people never return goods, really. You know, yes. you, these if you don't like the goods, you can return them. You know those adverts. Most yes. people don't do it, and uh, I think this yes. is kind of one of those. So they, they they even if they're falling foul of the CPA, and most of the time, I'm not suggesting they are. If they are, they'll pay back in one or two, and depends, mm-hmm. you know, take the money for the rest.
0: I think consumers need to be educated more to be more aggressive in enforcing their rights.
1: Yeah, and I like what you say. What you say is if this hasn't worked for you, then use the CPA to get your money back. Yes. Return the goods and say, hey, it hasn't worked for me. I want my money back. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about a car. So let's take a question we got on on the very point here. Um, I've just got to find it here where it is because it's a I think v- it's this question by Kyle from Cape Town Is it Kyle from Cape Town? Let's see what, yeah, here he goes He says, we bought a car, I'm going to summarize it from a seller whose ad we saw According to the ad and telephonic conversations we had with the seller, everything was good and the engine was 100% so we ended up buying a car in good faith. After a few days, uh, the car sounded bad and da-da-da. And days later, we decided to return, rather take it to, the, to a mechanic to look at. And after a test drive, the mechanic's immediate response was that we bought a problem car. Basically, to fix the issues with the car, we need at least 15,500. Um, he goes on to say, Kyle, he bought the car. On the slip, it was written, as is as is. And then he says, I'd like to know if we have any leg to stand on, because I'm convinced the seller sold me the car knowing it was wrong. Let's touch on footstuarts, if we can. Everyone knows that term. What does it mean, really? Well,
0: basically, this as is. You know, you you buy it with a risk of if there are any defects, it's not my, my problem. Now, the, the CPA has brought about Tremendous changes in our law um, And I'm not sure that many suppliers Often know How radically This uh, Law has changed The law and and the market in general There is no such thing as selling as is If your business is Selling cars mm. You can no longer rely on food stewards. A private seller may If I sell my car to you Yeah um, I may rely on footstools because it's not my usual business. Yes. The CPA defines a supplier as somebody whose usual business it is to do something. It's not my usual business to sell cars, uh. Uh,
1: but it is this guy's usual business. Um, so, sorry, if you you are, you saying that if if I want to buy a car, I shouldn't buy it from a private person because then uh, footstools. Uh, Still applies. It will apply. Yes, but if I want to buy a car, I should go to a garage because he can put footstools as many times as he wants. The CPO, the Consumer Protection Act, overrules that. That's right, and it says that no garage can sell you something footstools if it's if it's if it's defective. Take it back. Exactly. And yeah. w- uh,
0: she writes here or he writes here that yep. um, I'm convinced the seller sold this car knowing what yeah. was wrong. It doesn't make a difference. You yeah. could have known. You could not have known. If he had known, obviously, it will make his situation a bit worse. But the uh, we talked about Section 56 earlier. Uh, Section fi- Sections 55 and 56 place an obligation on suppliers to sell goods that are reasonably fit for the purpose for which they are sold yeah. and that they will work for at least a reasonable period of time. Mm. So if you sell a car as is and it's defective, as is the case here, you are obliged at the choice of the consumer, either to give the consumer a similar but working product or to refund the consumer's money. And that is the consumer's
1: choice. So what happens if uh, in practice, I go back to the garage, got to be a garage or a deal in cars and I say, I want my money back. I don't want another car from you. You're a crook. He says, I'm not giving you your money back. Where do I take that? Exactly where do I go with that?
0: That's once again to the Consumer Commission, Yeah. although that might be very slow.
1: You see, that's the problem. You know, I've, I've given him my money. I haven't got a car, and now it is in the, in the middle. Yes. I've I got, no, got no car and no money.
0: Then you have to sue. Then you go to the uh, magistrate's court or the high court, depending upon the value of the car, mm-hmm. uh, and you claim your money back, and that's
1: another two-year wait if he defends it. Uh,
0: unfortunately, yes, that is the big drawback of the Consumer Protection Act. It has mm. um, a lot of bite,
1: but uh, no teeth. Not a lot of teeth. <laughs> it's it, no one's carrying it out quickly enough. Yes, the man's without a car. I, you know, you sometimes see on the side of the road an old car that's stuck. Right, you see it all over the place, and you kind of feel sorry for these people because you know. They probably bought a cheapie from a garage and now it doesn't go anymore. Yes. So he goes back to the garage and I can see what happens. The garage says, no, it's your fault and um, you didn't put oil in. You know the usual. And the guy walks out. He's got no car. He's got no money. It's, it's a problem. Now he goes to the Consumer Commission. And he waits uh, another six months to a year yes. to get any action there. I have a matter at the moment yeah. with similar facts to this yeah.
0: um, where the uh, – Buyer, the consumer, bought the car in January It it hasn't worked uh, And she referred it to the Consumer Commission in February She got a reply yesterday
1: Really? What's that, four months later?
0: Four months later, and that's only to say Look, we are looking at your case I must just add, when I say that you can claim back your money Or get another uh, uh, replacement product you must do that within six months yeah. of the transaction, so it's, there is a limitation
1: there's one guy that replied his name's martin I'm not, i won 't even embarrass him by giving him his surname he 's partly right, but he 's wrong. He says, yeah, only if you can prove the previous owner knew about the fault and have the time and money to take on a case you might survive so there he's he's wrong because the that was the old law before yes, yes. the Consumer Protection Act. The Consumer Protection Act has changed that now That's as right. insofar as a garage is concerned. Yes. Insofar as a person is concerned, if you sell me your car, there's some accuracy in that statement, isn't That's there? Right, there's yes. gotta you gotta show that if he sells a footstool that he knew there was a problem. Yes. But in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, it makes no difference. If a dealer sells you a car, whether he knew or didn't know that it was stuck and broken, defective Yes. He's got to repay, replace it or give you your money back. Correct. And that places an obligation on the dealer to make sure
0: that he sells a car that works.
1: I, I wrote an article which was published in many of the Caxton newspapers, Santon Chronicle and all those. It was about a guy who looks after my garden. He came to me with a story. Emil, you'll appreciate this. He saw an advert for a f- television on sale for, for a really good price. And uh, he decided to buy it. And the next day, he went to the shop and he said, oh, that TV that's been advertised, it's mine. And they told him, no, we've sold out. But we've got another similar TV. It looks the same, similar, but it costs a hell of a lot more. So um, we can sell you that one. What's the answer here? <laughs>
0: that's called bait marketing. Yeah. And B A I T, that's yeah. correct. Bait and switch, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's also illegal in terms of the Consumer Protection Act uh, Section 30 uh, of the Act specifically prohibits that I will read the relevant Section 31 A supplier must not advertise any particular goods or services As being available at a specified price In a manner that may result in consumers being misled Or deceived in any respect relating to the actual availability Of those goods or services from that supplier at that Price mm. and in this next section is also relevant if a supplier advertises particular goods or services as being available at a specified price, and the advertisement expressly states a limitation in respect of the availability of those goods or services from that supplier at that price, the supplier must make those goods or services available at that price to the extent of the expressed limits so you say you advertise a television. Mm. Um, for a thousand rand, and I go there to buy it, and say, "Sorry, we sold out." Mm. In order for you to get away with that, you must show me in the advertisement to say that, "Look, we only had a, we only had ten at that price." And if I want to be really nasty and say, "Okay, well, look, uh, prove to me, show me who were the ten buyers of the other television, other television."
1: Uh, the, the shop, in order for the shop to get out of this mess. In their advert they've got to say limited to the first 20 customers only or 100 that, customers. That's right. If they don't say that and I walk into the store and I say, I don't care if you sold out, get it somewhere and bring it to me. I'll wait. You can bring it tomorrow, but get me one of those for a thousand rand. Yes. He can insist on yes. that. Yeah. You know, uh, people should really walk around with uh, these little pocket
0: uh, edition laws uh, of the Consumer Protection Act. We've often seen that for the Constitution, which just yeah, came out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, last time I told you that I had lived in Brazil for a while, and we can really look at how uh, the Brazilians enforce their consumer protection rights. Every merchant in Brazil is obliged to have a copy of the Consumer Protection, of their Consumer Protection Act oh, really? Uh, yeah. in the store. And we should maybe do something like that year as well, you know, so that if a person feels he's been aggrieved mm. to to have a look.
1: So listen, show me the COP of the Consumer Protection Act. It would do us out of business. That's why we're here to to, <laughs> to teach the public that these are your rights and insist on them. Yes. This is a marketing ploy I've seen much too often. And it's targeted at at the poor and the people that take taxis, two taxis to get to the, the store and it costs them Kind of twenty rand and then another twenty, and twenty to go home to find that they were they were switched. The, the goods were switched, and this was a bait, mm-hmm. and it's a crockery, crooked act. It, it yeah. is,
0: um, it is illegal. But I just want to draw attention to uh, two words that uh, uh, the that the section thirty uses: misled or deceived, yeah. and that is the gist of the Consumer Protection Act. Its message summarized in one sentence to suppliers is, be honest with your customers. These words, misled and deceived and synonyms occur throughout the Consumer Protection Act. Mm. It tells suppliers, do not lie to your customers.
1: Let's talk about something that <clears throat> it's, it's not in a question, but I just want to raise it with you. And there's a misconception here. Uh, in the public's minds If I buy say a kettle or a st- uh, Toast or whatever it may be And the goods are defective in my view I take it back to the store Can the store insist on giving me A credit, I know it's been asked and answered A million times but we want to get it here Or do they have to give me my money back If I want my money back
0: If you're still within that uh, six, six month period yeah. The choice is yours okay. And they must give you the money back They cannot give you a store credit They must give you the money back.
1: They must open the toll and say, I'm giving you your 339 Rand back that you spent. Because the store credit actually
0: forces you to go and buy something else at that same store. I know you're already a bit upset because the first product didn't work. Now you're forced to buy another product from them. How do you now know this product is going to work?
1: Here's one from an interesting one. I found it quite amusing, in fact. It comes from Linda. She says, good morning. If you can assist me, I'd be very grateful. If a furniture company delivers items to your house, but they in error deliver an extra item, and then after four days they realize it's a mistake and they want to have it returned, are you entitled to keep the item or not? Kind of, yeah.
0: I saw that question and uh, it made me smile a bit. Let's think about this You got something that you didn't buy That you didn't pay for And now you want to keep it No, you've got to give this back The Consumer Protection Act uh, Has changed the balance in favour of consumers But uh, not to the extent that You can profit from mistakes Made by a supplier so Okay, question sh- answered I give she,
1: does, she does say somewhere in the in the posting She says they seem to um, the, the warehouse and the shop confirmed that there was an extra item that goes with the set. So let's assume she bought, uh, eight chairs or something and there was some table or something. I'm not sure whether it was a complete mistake, but if it was an item that should have gone with the set, then she's entitled to keep it. Well, she doesn't specify here exactly what it is. Um, yeah, she says it's an extra item that goes with the set. Is it this item? Is it any item or is it a specific item? Is it an item she saw when she purchased or is it an item that is a mistake? I think that's the item, the answer. She should
0: clarify what this item was.
1: Stephen Uyster replies, I think the right thing to do is to return the item. (laughs) I think that's sound advice. (laughs) He has a, a novel posting that's resulted in tons and tons of replies. Listen up to this one. Nathaniel. I don't know if it's the real Natalia or another (laughs) one. I think it's another one. Good day, all. I'm seeking advice. I've been storing my vehicle at a friend's work premises for a few months as I've been overseas. So he left his car at his friend's work. Upon his return, upon my return, I was informed that my friend has sadly passed away. I now need my vehicle, but it's been withheld by me by his accountant, stating I must pay some storage fees. I've informed her that I've entered into no agreement with my deceased friend and that the fees they're trying to claim from me is they're not entitled to kind of thing. He says, how do I go about to retrieve my vehicle? And then someone asked him, Vasti Slettles, and he says the keys were in the vehicle the last time I checked. Uh, what's going on here? <laughs> well, I'm not entirely sure that the CPA applies here. Yeah, I think it's just a general consumer issue, this
0: um, he apparently had no agreement with a friend yeah. to pay storage fees, although it was at the friend's work.
1: Yeah. Um, What's the position if you um, you take your car somewhere for repairs and you and you don't collect it when you should, and you leave it there for months, and uh, they have what they call a lien, L-I-E-N, that's over the that's goods. Right, yes. Is that right? So you can't re- re- retrieve your goods if the lien is genuine until yes. you pay them. That's right. We lawyers have a lien over our files. Until you pay me, I don't have to release your files to mm-hmm. to the client. Yes. I mean, that's the same kind of idea.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is a valuable bit of security. Um, it's a real right that clings to the, to the good, uh, to the thing itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that is valid. Uh, a supplier can enforce his lien. To, um, until you've paid him he, He's entitled to refuse to re- release your vehicle uh, If he or she hasn't been paid yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the situation would be uh, Here, you know, they're asking, look we want storage fees He had no such agreement with his uh, deceased friend So I'm not sure on what basis the accountant is, will, will be able to to claim storage fees If they had incurred reasonable expenses In having to look after the vehicle uh, then we, they may claim it on the basis of you know what the, that beautiful Latin phrase "negotiorum gestio," you know, where you uh, look
1: after somebody, we
0: looked after somebody's goods. You incurred money to prevent damages uh, mm. to the to the good. Maybe they can rely on that, but I think merely for storage fees, it's a bit of a long shot.
1: You know, I I, def- I had a case once where a man had left his goods somewhere similar to this. And there was a claim of a large amount, uh, a storage lien claim. What we did is we disputed that they had any right to withhold the goods. My client paid the money into my trust account, and I gave a letter to the uh, person claiming the lien to say, I hold in my trust account whatever it was, a 100000 which will be paid to you upon the court deciding who is right and wrong, and uh, you must release the car or whatever it was on the strength of that. And there are decided cases. If I my mind goes back many years to a case, this is off the top of my head, Gearbox Exchange versus Myers, I think, was the case, where if you put up a bank guarantee or a lawyer's trust account guarantee, then they're forced to release it because you can't. I mean, if a lawyer says, I'm not releasing your file until you pay me, you say, but you've done no work. Yes. He says, well, that's my lien. You say, i tell you what. You go and tax your bill of costs, but in the meantime, the money will be paid into trust, and when you prove how much you tax it for, the money will yes. be released to you kind of thing. And this is how I think he could get release of this one.
0: Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. Talking about attorney's trust account, you know, the, as you know, the biggest reason why many attorneys get struck off the road is because they dip into the trust account. Yeah. That money is not the attorney's money. Uh, the operation of the trust account creates a lot of Confidence. The fact that there is money there provides confidence and aids the, the economy. Yeah. That's why, if an attorney goes and takes trust money, that it's a guaranteed way to a career change.
1: I must tell you, Emil, something very, very interesting that I learned uh, very recently. The Fidelity Fund is a fund that covers lawyers the public against lawyers that run off with their trust money. Mm -hmm. So if you've got money with your lawyer in trust and he runs off, the Fidelity fund should pay you back. Except there's an exception. It's only in respect of trust monies, which are held. I want to get the wording right by a lawyer on your behalf in respect of a transaction, but not in respect of an investment. So if you say to your lawyer, after your transfer is registered and the lawyer uh, is holding your Three million, you say. The lawyer says, "Hey, you know, I can get you a lot more interest than you can get in the bank. Leave your money with me, you, me and I'll invest it." Once he does that, it you then lose your fidelity fund um, cover. cover. Mm, interesting. Once it's converted from a lawyer's transaction to an investment transaction, the fidelity mm. fund doesn't cover it any longer.
0: Also, uh, well, I was recently okay. doing some research on prescription, and Hello? I just by chance mm. read that. If you've got money in an attorney's trust account and don't claim it back, that money, that your claim against the attorney prescribes after three years. So make sure if you've got trust money to get it back before three years. Otherwise, (laughs) your claim
1: prescribes. Okay, let's talk good, good advice. Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby will call him. He says, I lost my business due to underhanded tactics of the buyer. Can I post an ad on Facebook only asking if other people in the area have had dealings with him. I'm not going to slander him. I'm not going to defame him. Egal netfra. Have you had dealings with this guy? That's all I want to ask. Well, if what? that is the only
0: question he's going to ask, have has anybody here dealt with A B?
1: Yes.
0: I can't see any harm in that. Of course, it can quickly escalate. So why is yes, I know that crook? You know. So don't tell me you've lost money
1: with him as well.
0: Yes.
1: So it, I, it w- I would tread carefully. Marietta Grindling, she gave great advice. She says, I would advise against it. I don't know if she's an attorney or not. She says, and other people's experiences are not going to strengthen your case kind of thing. If you feel you have a case, go to court and move on. But don't put him up on Facebook. And I think, Emil, that there's a great risk in loading that kind of thing. Have you dealt with so-and-so? I mean, what is the inference that can be drawn there? It's Why would I be asking that question it's, uh, it's, it, it's arguable that I'm seeking people to answer and say, yeah, he's a crook, or I'm wanting yeah, the, to the, suggest the problem, something. The, it, it, the
0: problem with Facebook and and, uh, and other social media is you really don't have any control over it. You know, you can, there can be a million reasons why somebody would ask, have you dealt with so and so? I'm, I was recently looking for an advocate, um, and I asked uh, senior counsel that I brief regularly and said, listen, can you recommend so and so because yeah. I have a case that I would like to brief him or her, mm. and he said, yes, they are great, good, yeah now, so if that's the purpose of why you want to, why you ask the question, fine, but the problem is when you're on Facebook, mm. my senior counsel friend may think that advocate is great, but if you ask that question on Facebook, then you may get somebody else saying you've don't deal with that advocate." They have cost me a million rands in wasted legal fees, and it may be true, it may be false. So, that you know, asking questions about people on a public forum like Facebook is risky.
1: Yeah, I think there's a reasonable inference that maybe what you're suggesting something untoward by asking that. Although somebody may argue against me and say, don't talk nonsense, Gary. I mean, you can put on, what do you think of this hotel? It doesn't mean that you. there's an inference that the hotel's dirty or anything. Yes. It's just... You're asking. You're just asking for recommendations. But it's unlike, unlike, unusual or unlikely that you'll be asking, Do you, have you dealt with this guy before that you're asking because he's a good guy? You, you wouldn't ask that question. There's obviously something that's bothering you for you to ask that question. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't ask it.
0: <laughs> kind of thing. I would actually agree with Marita. You know, like, go sue him. If you've lost money, the law will clearly says people who lose money as a result of other people's negligence or bad
1: faith can't claim it back. So yeah. Facebook is not necessary. Uh, here's another one. comes from Ambrose. He says, I need advice. I paid a guy to install an electrical loom in a car. Weet what's a loom? Actually, I don't. <laughs> you know, I didn't know either. And I went and looked it up. It's a cable harness known as a wire harness or a cable assembly. I don't know what it was. I paid a guy to install an electrical loom in my car. He came up with a lot of excuses. He had to fetch the car with the police, this, that, and the other. And the bottom line is that she says that whilst her truck was or car was there, she believes um, that she has witnesses. Now, she says she has witnesses that saw that the guy at the garage was using the car for his private use. <laughs> what can I do, Well, first of all,
0: there's a three month guarantee on repairs uh, imposed by the CPA. So Mm -hmm. you can, that, you can take it back to be properly repaired.
1: So sorry, let's just, uh, yeah, the three months, uh, you can wait till the last day and you say, listen, this car's just, it's a problem.
0: Yes. Then take it back and they must repair it. Yeah,
1: I guess if you wait too long, uh, if there's a problem, you must, you know, just from a factual point of view, you should return it as soon as possible. Yes, because
0: especially after three months, there may be a lot of things that happened in between.
1: He says you went on holiday on dirt roads and you buggered it up that way. Yeah.
0: I don't really think that using the car for private use is, uh, uh, would necessarily, of course, the. the damage they, that that's actually irrelevant in, in enforcing that three month guarantee. Yeah. But using it for private use, that is certainly something that's
1: can't that be should, done. Should yeah. be
0: subject to some What sanction. about
1: shopping trolleys? You take a shopping trolley out of the supermarket, you wheel it down. You don't live far away from the supermarket, and you keep it for a few days. You're moving stuff around. Everyone's doing that. The, the, the supermarkets are losing tons of these trolleys. It ain't look. Eventually, people return these trolleys, maybe a week or six months later or whatever. Some of them do. What's the position? Is is that theft? I, I, th- I think
0: it is theft. It almost reminds me of you know the the issue of uh, attorneys' trust money. You know, w- one excuse that many attorneys come up with. You know, why did you take the money out of the, your client's trust account? Well, I was going to give it back. Yes. You know, going to give it back does not
1: undo the crime. I, Absolutely. Once you dip your fingers into something that's not yours, it's a crime. Yes. Strictly, once you remove that trolley away from your car, once you've offloaded the goods and you take it home and that, it's basically theft. It is. You, you're stealing the truck, the, the trolley. Theft is not qualified
0: by, you know, I'm going to give it back, you know, because then any, every thief would use that excuse as a defense.
1: I think there's a – the section one of the General Law Amendment Act provides that uh if you if you take it out away from the owner, uh whether or not you intend to return the goods or, or not or whatever, it's it's basically a criminal offence. Mm. It's theft. You can't do it. You can go to jail for that. So yeah, be careful so, with what, what you're doing with the with the trolleys of checkers and pick and pay and all the rest.
0: Just buy those plastic bags.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we. I'm. I'm enjoying this no end. Uh, I hope our listeners are because there's a lot of stuff that we that we sort of push in here that is allied to consumer law. But it's you know you just learn all the time. Uh, there was one more that I wanted to deal with you on, and and I just want to find it. It's quite a, a really interesting one. Uh, uh, one second, yeah. We live in Port Elizabeth. Uh, I don't think we've done this one before, have we? The one where the person was retrenched. They were without a job for three months. And then uh, we found schools for our two children. They're seven and ten in Durban. But now, there's school fees here in Port Elizabeth. The school here in Port Elizabeth doesn't want to give us our deposits back when we enrolled them. We paid three thousand each, so they're moving from Durban to PE, but the uh, or PE to Durban, but the PE school won't give them back their deposits.
0: Yes, uh, this issue of school deposits is something I feel very strongly about because uh, schools often take this money and they don't apply it to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Section 17 of the Consumer Protection Act uh, applies to advanced bookings Uh, The Consumer Protection Act also applies to education Uh, And Section 17 allows you to cancel an advanced booking Now I view school fees and these deposits as paying for an advanced booking Which can be cancelled A school, like any other supplier, can only charge a reasonable cancellation fee Some of these deposits Why do they?
1: What is the deposit for, really, to secure an attendance? To to
0: secure a place. Uh, I've seen uh, school enrollment fees. My daughter is going to school soon, so I'm looking at schools myself. And my blood really boils when I look at these enrollment forms which say you have to pay a 3,000 rand non-refundable enrollment fee. Why? They are not doing 3,000 rands work in order to enroll my my daughter at her school. Uh, public schools are, an in any event, almost obliged to take children. There's mm. no reason for them to charge uh, this enrollment fee, and they have to give it back. They make, okay, listen, um, we can charge a 300 rand, 10% cancellation fee, that sounds reasonable, but keeping the whole amount, they are not using that money. It is peer Profit. They must give it back, and if they don't, I would recommend to the lady from PE to to go to the small claims court and, and claim that money back because there is no way that the school would be able to justify keeping that.
1: Excellent advice. So that money must be repaid. The school's got no right to hold on to the deposit.
0: Correct. These
1: deposits, if unless they, unless they haven't paid their school fees, then they can use that unpaid school the sure, deposit against. Sure. Obviously, yeah.
0: I mean, if, I would recommend to schools if they do charge uh, deposits to secure a place, then use that deposit kind of for the last months or two months school fees, but not giving it back. I'm afraid is, is contrary to the CPA.
1: Excellent. It's been a great show. We have to end off. There's just one thing I want to take up with you. And I know you mentioned this in the last show, but I want to know if there's been any uh, response from the consumer commission some lady took pictures of you. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat that story because it tickles me and I like what you did about it. Yeah.
0: Um, well, the, the, the photographer at my daughter's play school who took pictures. Um, and then in order to get the nice pictures, the ones that I wanted to send to, uh, the grandparents, you first had to buy three useless items, a paper holder and uh, I'm not sure what a teddy bear, something yeah, like, like that. Cuddly
1: doll or something.
0: And, uh, for good money So I phoned her and I said Listen, uh, I am Prepared to pay you even better money For the pictures that I really want But I don't want this mm. And her reply was Well then sir, you don't have to buy anything <laughs> Now, you know um, We lawyers We try to be rational people But mm. sometimes we also lose our temper mm. And I thought, listen This kind of uh, behavior where you force somebody to buy one thing if they want something else, yeah. uh, that is also outlawed by the Consumer Protection Act. I don't have the exact section with me now. So I, I refer to, to, the, uh, to the Consumer Commission. Once again, now I'm there confronted with the problem that we sit with the CPA, and that is the Consumer Commission is understaffed and overworked. So I'm afraid there hasn't been any further uh, developments. <laughs>
1: What ultimately will they do? I mean, if they say she must, she's not allowed to do what she does, what teeth do they have? Does it become a, an order of court? It doesn't become an order of court, it just becomes a recommendation. What is it, really?
0: No, they can actually f- force her to stop that. Uh, they can impose fines. Yes. So.
1: Does she get th- charged or how do, who, who, who imposes the fine? It's the Consumer Commission. They impose. Do, do yes. they bring her before the Consumer yes, commission? Yes, they,
0: they send uh, summonses, subpoenas. Oh, really? Uh, okay. You've got yeah. to go there and uh, defend
1: yourself. So. And 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 then the they make the award themselves. They do. But and they I, must. I mean, how do they cope? There's thousands of complaints coming don't. in. How, I mean, how do they get everyone? I suppose they try and settle these matters as as quickly as possible if they can.
0: They hope so. Um, but they don't get through it, yeah. And I'm afraid a lot of suppliers also know that and think, well, you know, let's fund, carry on. Yeah. I won't re- refund your car within the six-month period because I know the Consumer Commission is not going to do anything.
1: So I mean, they don't blacklist uh, suppliers or anything like that. There's no that kind of sanctions not available. It's a pity, it, but I suppose they can't indeed. because the supplier says I'm doing nothing wrong in my view, and it I've isn't. got a lawyer's opinion, advocate's opinion that what I'm doing is fine. And then the commission's got to kind of sit back and then bring them to court in yes. 10 years' time or something. The,
0: uh, the, there's not really any point in me going to a small claims court against a photographer. But in all other matters where money is involved, yeah. the schools that don't pay back the money, the landlord that doesn't refund the deposit, you have the option of going to the consumer commission. But I tell my clients, so listen, don't bother. Mm. Go to the small claims court if it's above $15,000. rand. let us go to the magistrate's court. You will get the judgment, slow as it may be, much quicker than you would get a result from the consumer. You
1: as a lawyer could easily sue yourself because what you want to happen is you want to make sure that the person you're suing not only pays the amount back but also pays your your legal fees. That's right, yes. So – if, if you go to the small claims court, there are no legal no. fees, so the person only pays the capital. If you go to a lawyer and they lose, they pay back a certain amount of lawyers fees that 's right not all of it so i mean what, if you had to sue this woman, well what could you what for specific performance deliver specific deliver me the, the photographs yes, and I'll, so. and I tended to pay you the money
0: so you uh, i 'm entering into this agreement with you. You are enforcing an illegal claim yes an illegal uh, uh, pre- uh, Demand
1: mm.
0: and um, you must, we can ignore that, and you are obliged to give me the picture that I really want.
1: And I will pay you for that. Yes. And the court will make that award. And if she's wrong in law in trying to enforce you, trying to force you to buy the, the cuddly teddy bears and that, that will be thrown out and uh, she'll have to pay the legal fees. Yes. Excellent. You, uh, you've been listening to the voice of Emil Mayberg, he's an attorney in Johannesburg. That's right. And uh, if the public wants to speak to you, how do they get you?
0: Um, my uh, email address is em, my initials, at Um
1: We can Google Emil Myberg, right? Yes. In Johannesburg. In Johannesburg. And it will pop up. That's right. Everyone knows me by now. I think I'm Gary Hertzberg. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking consumer protection. We're going to do this regularly. As postings come up, we store them And then we source some of the good ones and we talk about it.
0: There will never be a lack of work uh, as far as consumer protection law is concerned. You know,
1: it doesn't matter how much you tell these retailers and suppliers and distributors, they still do the wrong things. They just never learn. Because it costs them money. Uh, To be cynical, being honest isn't always profitable. Yeah. Cool, Emil Mayberg, thank you very much. To our great listeners, the Cliff Central, very loyal podcasters and listeners. And then now to our new audience, the Legal Talk SA people and Ray Green, the founder. Many thanks to all of you for listening. And until next time, we'll check you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary
0: Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is
1: clefcentral.com.